Some of our language is coming at you with irresistible force. If you don't think you can pass your strength test, then best back off now. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. Well, 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 we are back. We are the dwellers below coming into your ear holes once again after a, a bit of a hiatus this time. Uh, it's been over a month since we last put out an episode. But what we have done is we have put out a video episode. So shout out, we're recording this one for YouTube, so shout out YouTube if you're uh, if you're watching. I'm Nick the Father Lies Hohen. I'm the original and the only remaining Smorgan on Twitter. There will be Araby Rises. There will be more faces of Smorgan, I'm sure. <laughs> this bit was a lot better the first time we recorded. Shout out to our YouTube followers if you uh, zoom in on this boy's face <laughs> right now and uh, spread that out on Twitter. We yeah. can uh, get some more faces of Smorgan accounts going on. There was actually an excellent uh, mashup of Smorgan faces I saw from Spider Rider today. That uh, that gave me a little chuckle. Oh wow, I haven't seen this. Is it? <laughs> I haven't seen that in either. the background, is it? <laughs> I like the one where after you'd left the venue mm-hmm. at uh, SAGT last week, and Michael the Terror was like, oh, "I need a photo of Sam to put up for the um, <laughs> the, the prizes on Twitter." <laughs> Quick little mashup. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we're the dwellers below. We uh, last week we uh, Sam and I were at SAGT in mm-hmm. in Adelaide, so we're going to do a little bit of coverage of that. But let's just kind of whip around the table. What have we been up to other than that? So let's start with Chris. Yeah. Hey, I'm here. I'm the egg. Sweet, uh, sweet intro there, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've been mostly uh, mostly painting some stuff for Sam. Woo-hoo. Secret project mm-hmm. almost broke me. Never batch painting again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the moment, I'm batch painting my my Caradron Overorks, which we uh, gave a bit of a teaser in the last episode. Bit of backstory, bit of fluff, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I've now got this all the. This army is your converted forty k uh, army that's just being used in Age of Sigma. Yeah, or y- yes, 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 my my forty k orc army got got some sweet uh, sweet dreadnoughts and now I've, I've got all the army assembled it. Uh, did the what's it called the Arconaut frigate as, was the last bit mm-hmm. and uh, I did see the pictures of that. That did look pretty sweet and it looks less forty k than <laughs> I, you know the army did initially. I was I had some reservations, but I think you've pulled yeah it off. Bit between put like putting a few more of the. Uh, the engine, engine rigger, rigger that balls on things really that, good. that helped a lot, and between that and the boat, there's a bit more of a an AOS aesthetic running through it. More obviously now, for anyone who is uh, a little bit queasy about it, a bit more high fantasy, so uh, to speak. Yeah, oh I, I t- tend to think of it more as kind of low medium fantasy. That's that, that's more <laughs> it, my demographic usually. It, it's more like swamp steampunk. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a, a combination <laughs> of what's happening out of the bayou. And the I prefer to think of it as like doom death metal fantasy. It's, oh boy. It's really like a, like a subgenre of a subgenre, uh-huh, which is uh-huh. yeah, definitely superior to all others. Well, Incidentally, yeah. like fuck hobby haters, do whatever you want. Even if you just use straight 40k models, all power to you. Yeah. Second, oh, don't worry, I will. And secondly, having painted quite a significant amount of Caradron Overlords, those things are extremely advanced technologically. In fact, I'd say that the orcs are probably more basic. Um, oh, yeah, like Stormcast and Overlords mm-hmm. and uh, Skaven all have more high-tech stuff mm-hmm. than, mm-hmm. Uh, than 40k orcs. The, the army that I'm, uh, yeah, like actually using. Yeah, and uh, it's because the games are set in the same universe, and I reckon at some point <laughs> there's going to be a, a mashup. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to be like Warmer Hordes. We're going to be able to play our. Uh, our Age of Sigma Sig Marines against some actual Marines. Well, yeah, because after the 
Imperium all collapses mm-hmm. and chaos takes over and destroys things. Yeah. That's what led to the old world, is which it, then led to the is new it world. Abaddon or Abaddon or Abaddon? Abaddon. Abaddon. What's the, Abaddon. I think it's Abaddon. 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 Abaddon's I think there's an apostrophe in there. <laughs> yeah, you've got to get your pronunciation right. Don't put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> this is such utter nonsense. <laughs> so how many <laughs> acolytes did you Can't wait till me? you leave. Uh, 60. Mm, 60 acolytes. Uh, Pretty was, tasty. I'm, uh, the models are amazing. I'm really excited to paint like three to five mm-hmm. and, and do a proper job, like a you know, really nice job on them. Uh, because uh, unfortunately you were not willing to pay me the several thousand dollars it would have cost <laughs> for uh, 60 of them painted to a yeah like a real, really schmick standard mm-hmm. but uh, yeah gorgeous models and yeah uh, g- gave me some ideas for yeah potential things going forward Warhammer Underworlds is something we should mm. probably try if that's uh, There's if like that a, sh- your boat. a couple of them in the Shadespire Warband I think Eye of the Nine or Eyes of the Nine and it's like nine yeah. models because it's Zinch yeah it's pretty sweet. There's some cool models, those little warbands. Mm-hmm. The other thing I've, I reckon is underexplored for um, AOS and Blake Kerwick, I think, put me onto this. The Blood Bowl teams that GW have brought out, a lot of them could quite easily turn into Age of Sigma units. Mm-hmm. The, the armored dwarfs that they've got, Duarden, uh, that they've got as a Blood Bowl warband, the goblins and the Skaven, I think those models with some hand swaps, so you're, you've mm-hmm. got swords instead of footballs would be excellent additions into relevant Age of Sigmar armies. And I haven't seen anyone do that yet. So I have a significant, <laughs> significant <laughs> number of old metal halflings. These are really cool Empire and Dogs of War sculpts. Lump and Croup. Yeah, yeah. I've got hot, Lump hot and Croup times many. <laughs> and I've got the Hot Pots and I've got some of the um, very difficult to get your hands on characters from Mortheim. Mm-hmm. Did you and say they just released yes, Hobgoblin? No, the Halflings. Halflings, sorry. Halflings. And they've same, got same. like um, as armour various things you would find in a kitchen. So pots and pans yep. and oh, sauces sweet. and all that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking a couple of hand swaps so that they're holding cleavers, mm-hmm. maybe the the old orc, as in auroch, um, <laughs> just a, a meat cleaver that you'd find in the kitchen and yep. we could have some sort of free people army on the go there or the, something along the those lines. The cleavers from the orcs will be larger yeah, than the actual that's models. That's the point. That's supposed to be a great weapon, right? It's <laughs> heroic scale. But not with the orc hands because those are fucking massive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this will be a... Hobbit army for Lord of the Rings or well it's <laughs> like I, I bought the models originally thinking I'll do a Wanderers AOS army so there's heaps of bowmen and spearmen and stuff um, and then Wanderers aren't tier one and I only really play tier one uh, and then I was thinking maybe it'll be a free people's army but given the amount of free peoples that are integrating into my Pride of Xandri list I'm, I'm unsure <laughs> at the moment they're just sitting on the bench they're really beautiful sculpts they're really hard to get a hold of they, so they could make pretty decent uh, flesh eater courts I reckon I was thinking that could actually legitimately make pretty decent um, night goblins so there could be a gloom spike gits army yeah. in them in terms of the scale the weapons I think that um, tricksy sort of style yeah, of play with right. the debuffs the, and stuff might the might shiving match. all of that sort of thing and they're thinking the hot pots could be converted into fanatics I've seen that online quite a few times don't, don't you need to paint them green though if you're going to use them as uh, gloom spike gits I think that's in the rules uh oh I'm doing um I'm doing grey for my caradron gits whatever you want to call them because like you're just dry brushing them silver and leaving them or no no I like grey <laughs> I like grey is, is good for orc undercoating skin. and then uh, zenithaling 
No, I'm not. That's too advanced <laughs> for me. Yeah, I, that's I, two whole colors. <laughs> yeah, I, I like watched a couple of YouTube videos, and now I'm certain that's the way. I'm definitely going to plan my next army, mm-hmm. and then actually, when it comes time to execute, just default back to spraying it black and doing it all the hard way. Yeah, I tried white spraying once and just hated it, and so now I bla- I black spray everything. I black sprayed my night haunt that I was painting white. Yeah, <laughs> which was didn't feel good, but I actually white uh, used a white base for the stuff I just did for Sam, mm-hmm. and with the, the the colors that we uh, were being used went over the white undercoat pretty well, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I definitely think that was better for that color scheme than black would have been. Uh, but yeah, really, uh, the, the thing I've been trying to do more recently is just branch out a bit and do a, a few different bits and pieces each time I do an army. And yeah, Xenothal undercoating might be the thing I do for the next project. Just as like you're not trying to learn a whole new uh, like package of techniques, but just do like one thing differently uh, to in- incorporate in. So yeah, I'd and we, we kind of discussed that as a group the other day in one of our um, many WhatsApp chats. Was <laughs> the the concept of you don't have to do everything new in an army, but if you kind of le- teach yourself one skill mm-hmm. or, or advance by one sort of skill level of painting, level up once, so to speak you can kind of really progress yourself as a, you know, as an artist. Yeah. So if everything you work on, you identify one thing you want to try and it might be like the tiny little um, light that's somewhere on the model, you're going to try and do some object source lighting or it, it might be that you're going to try and do wet blending, but just on a weapon or did you know what I mean? Just on yeah. a small yeah. controlled space and you just practice and practice and practice and you go and you watch YouTube videos and you speak to people that are good at it. And I think really importantly, you seek feedback. So once you've done it, you show people and say, hey, um, I know that you've done this. What techniques did you use? And you just pick up a little trick here and there. That's how you progressively improve over time. That's also a really good technique when judges are like scoring your army for painting mm-hmm. to like uh, ask them questions then so that yep. they, you can draw their attention to things. So you can be like, hey, uh, I was just looking for some feedback on this object source lighting. I've got exactly here. Look at that. That's my object source lighting. <laughs> And, uh, so yeah, and this is how you win painting here. awards. Uh, it's been a while since I wasn't uh, fiendishly shafted by other people having better painted armies than mine. You should uh, have a chat with Danny Carroll. I think he's looking for some help. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, can of worms. Oh, dear. If Danny gets a podcast called Danny Paints and he just gets on and talks about himself for 20 minutes, 20 minutes a fortnight, 20 minutes a month, I think the number of awards Cre- he wins will cre- significantly content. increase. <laughs> content creation. I mean, it's... a it's a phenomenon. It's a noticed phenomenon. If you mm-hmm. create content, you win more prizes. Mm-hmm. Like Clint from Heralds of War won basically every prize in the raffle at yeah, SAGT. I bought those off him on the basis <laughs> that he's a content creator. Mm-hmm. Like there, there can be no, there one. can be no other reason that he won those prizes. Yeah, I can't possibly think of any. So, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about SAGT, mm-hmm. which we, uh, you and I, went to last week. We're going to talk a little bit about Border War. Lord of War? That too. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Just to confuse our listeners even more, we're going to talk about both tournaments in the same segment at the same time. I'll talk about one. You can talk about another. And then the listeners can guess which one we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. Nah, no, but we'll... Because um, we've got Border Wars coming up in... A month. Just it's, over it's a month? Soon. It's soon. It's like uh, the... F- Final week of April. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the twenty sixth of it's April, which it's is after yeah. Anzac Day. So we've got the four day weekend four, four for Anzac weeks. Day. Then there's like Tuesday, Wednesday at work, Thursday's Anzac Day, and then Friday. So I'm going to take the three days off. So by the time I edit this, it's going to be a week away. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, yeah. So I've got a month to f- get as much of my overrocks done as possible because they are 
definitely the, the army that I'm playing at uh, at Border War. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we can talk about this more when we get up to there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm very much locked into that being uh, where they get played, whether they are finished or barely base coded uh, one way or the other. And you are, you're going to be leaving us, aren't you, Mr. Cousins? Yeah, this is why I'm kind of locked in. I, I recently put all my Stormcast into a Tupperware container and uh, that's how I'm taking them to the UK, uh, relocating over there for a year or so. And uh, yeah, that, that's the only army I'm hope, uh, planning on taking with me. And uh, that means that the over orcs need to be finished, played with and then boxed up again by the time we're done. Mm-hmm. So who's going to make ed- egg puns and recycle the same old jokes over and over again with in I, your absence? I, I think we have a designated uh, member of the podcast for that. Uh, Nick Gentili will still be live and loud. If he's not playing uh, Warhammer Historicals. Oh, that's what we didn't do in our hobby wrap-up. We played some historicals. We did play some historicals. Uh, so Lord uh, of the Rings, for, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, a shout-out to Jeremy and the Green Dragon podcast crew. We, we Content went creators. Content v- very much so. Uh, probably the, in some ways, the most dwellersy podcast I've listened to in a long time. Mm-hmm. The amount of banter and in jokes that they have plausibly exceeds even our own, uh, which made for a yeah a very entertaining listen. I've been uh, been itching to dip my toes back into uh, some Lord of the Rings, and uh, yeah, we went over to Jeremy's place and played a. There are a couple of scenarios on show with uh, the most gorgeous. It was so themey and narrative immersive. and immersive. It, it, it and definitely immersive, and I mean, Jeremy is just absurd. His entire Lord of the Rings collection, which is all of it, like I, I believe he has the models for every scenario they've ever brought out, uh, and it's all painted in non-metallic metal. He told me he's like, oh, I managed to sell sixty of the metal orcs <laughs> because. Uh, I needed 180 for a scenario and I just thought, you know what, I'll just use the plastic ones I've already got. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, I think he had like 120 of the metal ones uh-huh. and he's like, oh, instead of buying another 60 of the metals, I'll just sell off half of them and use the plastic ones I've already got. Too funny. He has so much stuff. It's all painted on metallic metal. Yeah. So is this the bit where we do shout outs to Lord of the Rings podcasts? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I've been listening to Just Middling and very yeah. much enjoying it because they're noobs like That's us. from the, the um, Just, just Playing. Just Playing guys, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, probably a, a couple of months behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately after our last recording, Gentilly gave me a lift home and then about a minute into the car ride, we started talking about Lord of the Rings and 45 minutes later, I was home and was definitely going to on be the Russian, Lord of the Rings. On the Russian websites, <laughs> searching. Uh, haven't quite got that far. I've been trawling a lot of eBay and being disappointed mm-hmm. when everywhere that's listed the models I want has them sold out. In true Games Workshop fashion, one needs to purchase around 11 books to understand the various <laughs> yeah. lists and gameplay. Uh, to, to be fair, though, with just the core rule book and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the army's books, that gives you, or at least it gave me enough to be getting on with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I played a couple of games at uh, Jeremy's, and I have a question about narrative, like playing narrative games, which I guess none of us can answer because we're all filthy power gamers. Speak for yourself. But if you're a narrative gamer. <laughs> I mean, I, I where's Gentilly when we need him? <laughs> Gentilly the Neo. So, if you're a narrative gamer and you're playing a Lord of the Rings scenario, mm-hmm. let, let's say you're playing uh, Escape from Ammon Hand mm-hmm. and you're the good side mm-hmm. and you are about to be able to escort Merry and Pippin away, or are, are you obliged to stop trying to win and just give Merry and Pippin to the Urukai? Because in the books and the films, that's what happened, and it would be unnarrative to let the you know let them escape. I think you need like a, a dungeon master or someone who's just sitting there like railroading <laughs> you, something chronic to make sure it happens as per the books. 
Uh, but luckily in the game that we played, uh, I was able to heroically uh, retake Osgiliath by running away from Nick's army and shooting it. It was very narrative. <laughs> all your Gondor stuff and your rangers just shot off all my orcs and then Boromir killed my troll in one turn and then I think I killed like six models. It was super yeah. narrative. Uh, after the amount that Jeremy had talked up about the troll being like the way to kill Boromir... And then, yeah, Boromir just pew, pew, pew. one shotting it. He did say don't get the troll into a fresh Boromir. Th- that's true. And especially a trapped troll into a fresh Boromir. Yeah. But then Boromir having to use like one point of might to kill the entire troll was a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The bullshit banner is, yeah, aptly named. But uh, that's that's probably. Uh, it's no banner of the world, Dragon. sufficient. Lord of the Rings content for one episode. Yeah, until we yeah. begin with uh, the Dwellers Middling, where we start uh, talking about our own experiences in Middle Earth. I think the Dwellers is always pretty middling. If <laughs> anyone's yeah. keen on playing some narrative Lord of the Rings, I think on the Saturday night at Lord of War, we'll probably get a few tables going and Nikki G might uh, GM those for us. See how we go, because we might be downstairs getting on the... Uh juice i won't i mean i thought we upstairs, I, I thought the upstairs the was licensed as well yeah so the upstairs is licensed you can play well. narrative games on the juice mm-hmm. yeah but there'll be fruit mm-hmm. tingles downstairs i really want to play zombro side as well i just zombie like, side's good 10 blokes yeah. around a table and women eating pizza playing zombie side is probably the best saturday night well that's the plan as long as it's war. followed by some karaoke all right speaking of nightlife let's uh we'll have a quick break and then we're going to talk s-a-g-t We're back. We're back. Back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back from SAGT. Mm-hmm. SAGT being the South Australian Grand Tournament. Grande? Grande. With an accent. El, mark El in Tournament there? Grande. Yeah. The, the biggest. Oi, you blokes. Oi. That's how the people at the RSL speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. uh, so, so tell me about uh, the SAGT. Uh, what was the what was the build up like before either sort of on the way to going there Friday night before the tournament even begins? Nick and I caught the same flight, and just as we're about to board, my partner called me, and she's like, "So, are you in Canberra yet?" And I'm like, "What? Like, <laughs> are you in Canberra yet for CanCon?" And I said, "No, no, no. This one's a different one." Um, and also, I'm not leaving until right now. She's like, "I thought you were leaving in the morning." I'm like, "Look at the ticket you're looking at." And she's like, "Looking at flights from January to Canberra, so that's good." <laughs> It's just here on the flight. You're flying out in the morning. (laughs) I was somewhat surprised when you made the flight. Yeah, I was wrapped because I've been super busy at work and I was expecting that they would have to get me a replacement flight that night and I was going to have to work till six or seven or eight or whatever and then take the last one, which would have sucked massively. Um, And then it being a Friday afternoon and there was a massive protest in Melbourne. All these school kids are coming in. Shut down my building. So I just snuck out, jumped in a <laughs> jumped in a cab and I was off to the burbs and anyway, bouncing around but it, it all worked out in the end. Excellent. And I, I heard the uh, the Friday night was a bit of a classic one. Yeah, like it was it was good. Initially Sam wasn't there. We, so that, that, that was, was the good. highlight. Yeah, that was the <laughs> highlight. It it went downhill. He did eventually arrive. Um now we um it was at an RSL. So the, the event's being hosted by an RSL. And it was a little bit weird because they Retired had... Retired Servicemen's League for yeah, international listeners. Correct. And they um they were hosting St. Patrick's Day celebrations on Friday the... Not St. Patrick's not Day. Not St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. It was like two, two days off. But because we had the hall booked on the Sunday, they mm-hmm. couldn't do their celebrations on the Sunday. So they did it on Friday night. But we were still there. And so there was like 40 old people at the front drinking and having their St. Patty's Day celebrations. 
with a, a one one up live band, and then like twenty gamers at the back mm-hmm. drinking and carrying on and being being like moderately loud. So moderately loud. I, I don't think we we're being offensively loud, or we weren't um, being disruptive. Um, but notwithstanding that, the some kids came on to do some Irish dancing, and um, they were saving money to go overseas. So. Got to go to get to regionals. Shout, shout out to those kids. Create a podcast and then do a GoFundMe. <laughs> Basically. Uh, and then um, next thing you know, one of the... Did you say something? I didn't say anything. One of these... This, <laughs> this old woman charged me and I sort of... She pinned me into a corner. Oh, boy. And, oh, um, boy. And yeah, she, she wasn't wrapped with our conduct. So she just re- respectfully requested that we... Um, we show these kids some respect and, and maybe tone it down a bit. So we, we ended up doing that, but I was completely caught off guard. I didn't even realize people were dancing and I certainly wasn't the loudest person. That was Randy. <laughs> it was definitely Randy. <laughs> Randy, the fruit tingler. Low morals, Randy. Low morals, Randy. I, I believe I saw uh, pictures the next morning of uh, breakfast martinis. Yes. So we, I, I what time did you park? I ended up going to bed about 12, but I, I think I parked at 10.30 because Randy and I then went into the city yep. and we looked for food for what, what felt like forever, decided that we'd eat at my hotel and when we got there, they just closed the kitchen. And they're like, oh, we'll do a sandwich for you if you want. And Randy's like, I oh, just out of curiosity, how much will that be? And the lady's like, oh, ham and cheese, $27. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck this, I'm going to bed. Meanwhile, Ozzy, uh, Ollie was hungry <laughs> and he said to Doom, he's like, oh, can I, where can I get some food around here? Mm-hmm. And he's like, come with me. And they went up to the bar and he's like, can I get some food? And they're like, yeah, it'll be $5. And he's uh. like, sure. And he got this like gigantic plate of food. It was like this big. I'm probably going to throw it out otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was this massive like roast. He got dessert. He got cake for five bucks. He got so much food. Oh, and just We got cooked. Ate it all. So I drank water out of my fridge in this hotel and I had a bottle of water each day and I wasn't really paying any attention. And the water was 750 mils. So three times 750, two litres. And it was $9 a bottle. (laughs) Christ. (laughs) So that was good. That was really good. You were paying something, it's not attention. Um, (laughs) We should do a few quick shout outs because on the Friday night, um, as it's become a bit of a tradition on the Oz scene, there was just really good cross-section of the community there many content creators so many content creators um shout out to the failed charge guys they were probably my favorite content creators they're pretty awesome the the bendigo lads are pretty good shout out to the measure guys they were really good except for tristan um (laughs) (laughs) i gave him some serious flack (laughs) i think he was he was a bit the whipping boy everyone was uh stacks on tristan at one point well it's pat's also the salty whipping boy so it depends on what i wasn't there so we had to go for tristan it's hard isn't it Uh, shout out to tristan um, who else do we have? Oh, we had Nathan and Dan from Sydney. They're both rippers. Chuck. Mm-hmm. But um, he doesn't create much content, does he? Maybe he should. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was most of the people. Mm-hmm. But it was good to meet the locals. Obviously, Doom and Darkness guys were there, the mm-hmm. uh, Realmless Gaming crew. Yeah. The Colin. Ty, the Colin, Matt. The Wild Form. The Wild Form. Yeah, I really like this uh, kind of the Friday night hangout becoming a bigger and bigger thing I think is really good because Saturday is more of a go out and party kind of night mm-hmm. whereas Friday you get to do more of a meet and greet. Just hang out with people. Yeah, I think we the, the Friday night probably slowed down the Saturday night a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a few people who were a little bit tender. I was 
I know, because I left the venue at about 2 a.m. Yeah. We'll get to it later, but the Saturday night was cool on its own for its own. It was a different thing. We all went out for a, a yep. nice meal and it was actually really cool and relaxing and chilled. Randy showing no, off his tingle. low morals again. Oh, Randy. <laughs> um, there's a person that we haven't given a shout out to that, that warrants one. And that's Ollie. Ollie AOS on Ollie AOS. Facebook. Now, anyone that's listening that knows Ollie, you've got to ask him. He's got a good story up his sleeve. We can't share it on the podcast. <laughs> it's not safe for podcasts. Not safe for podcasts, but definitely ask him about that. We not might. Uh, we, we, we refer to it in the uh, in the YouTube videos from the weekend as well. Oh, do we? We right. do. Do we with more detail or a little bit more, yeah, but okay, not really. Cool. All right. So that was the Friday night. Yep. And then after Friday night comes Saturday morning. So, so what did you do after breakfast martinis? Yeah. So Saturday morning starts with breakfast club, which is yep. great. Mm-hmm. Which was espresso martinis, just to kind of perk me up again. <laughs> uh, and then. It was, yeah, day one of the event. Classy Red Bull and vodka. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Randy and I had been drinking till pretty late that night and then we started drinking early and then we had a round one grudge match. Excellent. So What I didn't understand was why he was covered in that gold sparkly (laughs) glitter. (laughs) (laughs) And bronzer. And bronzer. Such bronzer. So before we start going through games, maybe if we quickly intro lists Mm -hmm. and try to protect some people's privacy and reputations. Uh, I don't think that's no, right. I don't think that's necessary <laughs> at this point. Uh, so, so yeah, maybe what did you take? What armies? What filth were you mustering? I had a basically murder host, uh, all pretty much all demons except for two of the um, of the whippy, whippy boys. So, so bloodstokers, bloodstokers using the uh, the new rules because they were out. Uh, no, using the old rules. So? They they updated them over the Saturday night. <laughs> so on Sunday morning, my app was uh, was out of date. <laughs> you weren't allowed to change your rules by Sunday morning. No, unfortunately not. But the book's out. That's You're living in the past now. Exactly, I know. Goodness. Um, yeah, so I had a murder host, two bloodthirsters, two bloodstokers, um, and then a herald and eight units of six bloodletters, one blood crushers, one flesh hounds, and mm-hmm. that was it. So I got to move lots. Did you have the bloodstokers when we played? No. Yeah, uh, felt good, good addition. Yeah, good addition because I realised when we played that the only good thing in the list is the two bloodthirsters, <laughs> that yeah. the 60 bloodletters are absolutely fucking useless. They just sit on objectives mm-hmm. and gain you blood tithe points to get more objectives. Yeah, to correct. To get more bloodthirsters. <laughs> yeah, correct, exactly. And so they're essentially they're, you know, three quarters of a bloodthirsters, those yep. six units. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, like, that's a good army in 2017. Yeah, but I wasn't playing that's back right. then. The, the points have been I'm adjusted, a bit behind. the rules have changed, whatever. Um so similar to Nick, I also took just a, a list for lols. Um, wasn't too fussed about how I was going to go at the event. I didn't get any games of AOS in at all from CanCon until then. I was just been incredibly busy with work and life. So um, I was running three monsters. The idea was that each of them was really difficult to kill in its own way. So I had a Dragon Lord with the Ethereal Amulets. He's got a four plus save that can't be rendered that he gets to reroll. So... Um, typically passes 75% of the saves he takes, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Uh, and then he had a six plus after save just using the generic order trait. Uh, I then took Marathi, who um, ultimately is, is just not good. So like on top table play, Marathi is really bad. Maybe on like middle and lower tables, Marathi is is good to excellent. Um, but but Marathi for 400 points is grossly overcosted. But she's, she still has a purpose in this list and that's that she's difficult to kill when she's in big form. Um, unfortunately, you want it to be small because the magic side of her is better than the combat side of her. Yeah, especially given the third monster. The third monster is a phoenix who has a four-up after save, 
Um, but he's obviously able to increase his normal save if you cast lots of spells near him. So you want Marathi. So you yep. want Marathi casting three spells to get him to a two plus. Uh, and then he had the artifact that each hero face, so both mine and my opponent's, which is important, he regains a wound. So it's difficult to wound him. And then uh, over the course of the game, he can get back as many as 11. Yeah, 11, no, 10 wounds over the course yeah. of the game. That seems mm. really solid on him. Um, it's really It was really good. Um, and the only times that it wasn't, um, effective was when I mispaired him and he went into things that just auto killed him. Yeah. Otherwise, he would just tank tank the whole game. So. Yeah. Because I, I I played against a four Phoenix army at CanCon mm-hmm. and yeah, like I was able to put ten evocators into one and take yep. it off in a turn. Yep. But the other ones, it was very much a case of if they're dying, it's going to take me six yeah. eight combat rounds to get and there. He doesn't degrade terribly, but just mm. bumping up a profile is awesome. And you know, people always say, oh, it's really good to chip wounds off heroes. The inverse is true. It's really good for the hero to just get back a couple of cheeky wounds yeah. here or there. So those three are all really tough to kill. Um, they were supported by two units of 10 Arcanauts and a unit of 10 free guild archers. Uh, the archers can do a pre-game move, which is just fantastic um, and can catch a lot of people unaware. I'm playing a six drop, so it means I can deploy defensively and use them as a screen anywhere from six to 11 inches in front of my army. Yep. Um, what they can also do is you set Marathi up on the, the, the line, you then circle the archers around, they pre-game move, so it's before the start of my hero phase, mm-hmm. and then when you go large with Marathi, so long as you've bubbled her properly at the back, you can surf her forward. So that's a little trick that I'd explain to each of my opponents. And the reason that that trick's great is it gives her additional mobility, but it also impacts the way they deploy. So in some games where I wanted to use her as a spellcaster in the first game, I'd say to my opponent, hey, <laughs> this is a trick that I can do, and then they would deploy here's, accordingly. Here's this sweet turn one charge yeah, I can do. It's like I, all I'm doing is being honest and just telling them the play. Uh, and then the other thing I had in the list was three units of dragon blades uh, and the dragon host battalion. So once per game, those three units and my general are able to do a move in the movement phase, and on a four plus, the general can subsequently shoot his um, fire attack or whatever. So... That was really useful, again, from a deployment and counter-deployment perspective because it meant I could effectively redeploy them turn one if I wanted. What it also means is people deploy defensively thinking an alpha strike's coming. You when, can, it, when it probably wasn't. You can opt not to alpha strike but still use the move and just box them in. Yeah, so sure. they've deployed deep. You move two units up 14. You then subsequently run them 20 and you've created a semicircle around their army 34 inches away. I was hoping, you to, score do, your points. I was hoping to do stuff like that with my murder host, which can go 4d6 before the game yep. starts. But the problem is they didn't Too take the army. Too well, man. Not, but yeah, that wasn't really the issue. It was more just people didn't take the army seriously and they didn't care. So they just didn't, they didn't <laughs> like board edge it or anything. So that battalion, I think, is really good. And I am considering at the moment what I can do to get a double of those battalions in because uh, the dragon, rather than taking a shield, can take a horn. And when he takes a horn, he gives plus one attack to all order draconis within a particular range. And that includes both of the dragons that would be fighting in combat and they're, they're really good attacks. Yeah, it's an option. I th- yeah. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't fit with your plan of big survivable monsters. Oh, no, that would be, this would be a different list. But at that, point, yeah, at that point, are you better just going full order Draconis and then spending 400 points no, on allies? No, definitely not because you want the bodies um, as your battle. And so, I mean, you could take 400 points. No, because you couldn't take the Arcanauts, which their shooting is really good. Yeah. You couldn't take free people. So it's about who they can ally with and they can only ally with the other shitty elf factions. Yeah. Oh, well, too bad for them. 
Mm, interesting. So this wasn't <laughs> supposed to be good, but it was lots of fun to play with. I mean, you were trying to make it good against like Flesh Eater Course yeah, and have yeah, some yeah. game against Skaven. So I've got this idea at the moment and it's something that I'm wanting to explore over the rest of the year and it's podium sniping. So you take a list that you think is expressly good against the absolute top tier, but that maybe isn't particularly balanced, so shouldn't do well over the course of a five-game event. Yep. That relies on you probably winning game one and or game two. Which you can generally get which by you on can play. Gen- yeah, which you can generally get on play and then you just don't care about your second day and it's the best way to approach the event. <laughs> like, so you're not there to have I a good time. someone else's weekend? <laughs> <laughs> you're such a stand-up bloke, Morgan. Everyone loves you. So those were the armies. And your army looks so nice as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I put a lot of time and effort into it and I'm, I'm gen- like AOS is the least immersive game on the table. It... it <laughs> like you string shit out, you have you I, have I, like you have these buffs that work if you're within three inches, and then you've got a tail, and you you do things where you create a semicircle around an objective, and there's stuff like um, the general of your army is overfighting some plebs, but instead of going to support the general, your plebs go and stand on a piece of treasure. Like that stuff's not immersive, but off the table, I love the law, and I love the way that the realms are constructed, and I love yep. like that I'm able to generate my own fan fiction around this army. That that's what keeps me engaged, and what I find to be immersive. You do love your fan fiction, don't you? Mm-hmm. I did see some excellent pictures of your bases fighting other people's models. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's a story coming up in game three about low rider. So my dragon is low rider and he's low to the ground. He's very low to the ground. All right, we'll have a quick break and then we're going to chat about our games. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, preliminaries were over. Army lists were constructed. Uh, Al- alcohol was consumed. And we're back. Yeah, and was continuing. Back at back, 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 oh, back. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I thought now that we were on YouTube and people can see the pained expression in my face every time we do. No, that's just. No, we can just wave at them when we say <laughs> back at back at back. Um, all right. So, game one, Nick, you had a grudge against the, the fruit tingler. I played Randy. He, so he of low morals. This is a play date. Shout out to our friends at Measure Gaming. This is not a grudge. This is Randy's our boy. He's our boy. He's my boy. Okay, so so you had a play date with uh, Randy. I did. So he the was running best, his uh, Tasmanian Age of Sigma player. Exactly after, after Rice Rice, Rice McGlynn. Um, Both play fake army. Hashtag fake army. <laughs> hashtag fake island. They um yeah. So Randy was using his Tomb Kings. He had Cetra. His what? He's exactly exactly. So he had Cetra with this amazing item mm-hmm. that's like a death allegiance ability, like Grand Alliance death allegiance ability item that lets him just teleport 12 inches at the start of the movement, uh, the combat phase. Cloak of Mist and Shadows? Yeah, something like that. It's Heim- amazing. Heimlich Himmler's old coat. It's so good. Doesn't seem fair. He just, like, he can teleport anywhere within 12 inches as long as it's outside of three. And not but holy. He ch- but he charges in and then he, like, boops 12 inches over here. And then he can pile in because he, he sits there like five inches away and then he piles in. Why did he say it's only a 12-inch range? He could have said literally any number. <laughs> we would have believed him. Yeah. Um, and oops. it wouldn't have made a difference. He still would have lost. <laughs> so, so how did this uh, pre-arranged uh, Play ge- generous fun meeting go? It went uh, relatively well for me. I uh, played it a pretty simple game i gave randy the first turn he moved things up Mm -hmm. i charged his army with two bloodthirsters and removed a fair chunk of it then he killed some bloodletters and he got one bloodthirster down to one wound and another bloodthirster the next turn down to one wound and so he just 
kind of didn't quite kill them and then they turned around and killed like Cetra and the snakes and stuff. So I killed most of his army with um with the bloodthirsters mm-hmm. and then was ready to jump on the objectives when we called it. Cool. Solid. Nice. Simple game sometimes. Especially yeah. when you play Randy. I was gonna say, especially when you play corn two bloodthirsters, just shove them in and see what happens. Yeah. Turns out you know, a bit of foreshadowing here. That <laughs> didn't work for the rest of the tournament. Well, that's because some people had real armies to rely on. Correct. So I played Kakawa. Kakawa. Also in a playdate. Uh, Kakawa was running a beautiful Iron Jaws army, uh, which I believe he had commission painted, then stripped and painted exactly the same himself. <laughs> <laughs> this, so this was, this was a narrative kind of hobby-based. You wanted to have two of the better-looking armies on the table mm-hmm. for the event and just mm-hmm. you know, take some photos, I'll say, create some content. I would say that Adam's army is infinitely nicer than mine. And to our earlier point about like progressively improving, some of the stuff that he's had done to that by his commission painter, I'll look to, to emulate in the future. Some of the armor chipping and stuff just looks really beautiful. With, with your own commission painter? Yeah, most likely. <laughs> How are you feeling, Chris? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so I was playing CAC. Um, interesting observation about Iron Jaws. I'm running an elite army with over 1,000 points in characters and I still had more models than him. That doesn't feel right. I threw my Phoenix at Are his... Are you suggesting they might be slightly overpointed? Yes. I threw my Phoenix at his whole army um, and like three turns later my Phoenix was still alive and I'd been able to chip off all of his other units. So um, the game ended um, pretty sort of early on and, and the way that we'd anticipated. I, I don't think my list was particularly good but the disparity in power level um, made it like a non-game and... Uh, Kudos to anyone going to a tournament and running things like Iron Jaws because it just it's not a level playing field. Unlike you, they actually play for fun. Good on them. They don't <laughs> just say they're playing for fun. Good. Like my fun is sometimes watching my opponent cry. Like not with Cax is my mate, but <laughs> anyone else. <laughs> or or you know, your special fun is fooling people into thinking you're just playing for fun. <laughs> that's, that's uh, so round two. Round two, I got to play my content creating friend. Uh, Michael Shepard from the Failed Charge podcast. Definitely not his surname. Definitely his surname. <laughs> he was running Flesh Eater Courts and he had uh, Blister Skin. Is it Blister Kin or Blister Skin? Blister Skin. Blister that, that's the str- he had the strongest, in the current sort of meta, he had the strongest Flesh Eater Courts and uh, as I understand it, he's a bandwagoner who'd never really been into it before. He just bought all Clint stuff. He tricked Clint. Said to Clint, oh, they're not a particularly strong army. I'll buy. I'll take your stuff <laughs> off your cheap. And then he started running the OP shit. So fair play to Michael. It's pretty poor taking advantage of Clint because Clint's such a nice guy. It's pretty poor being a bandwagoner. Yeah, and it's I agree. Pretty poor taking advantage. I, I'm pretty sure the bandwagon was specifically Gristle Gore. I think everyone on the internet has dismissed anything that is not just playing Gristle Gore. Apparently, it's uh, his partner sh- was his partner was taking Gristle Gore, so he couldn't use the models. Oh no. <laughs> Shout out to you guys, internet, for always being right. <laughs> Blister skin was good. Like the flayers mm-hmm. were really good. But mm-hmm. what was really good? The ghoul king on the terror guys. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I just couldn't fight it. Yep. Um, I made a mistake. I He gave me first turn. Uh, I moved up slightly. He charged in. I gave him bad charges, but if he double turned, he'd have good charges. And he got the double turn. So that's how you win Age of Sigmar, right? Just roll that six. But... Um, I, had it, I actually worked it out into an okay situation, but then I forgot that there were three Crypt Flayers fighting the flank of my one wound Bloodthirster. Mm-hmm. So I went and piled in a unit of, of uh, <laughs> Bloodletters instead of fighting with the Bloodthirster. Yep. 
So that was a mistake, you could say, looking so back. So where were the – when you were surveying the board, where were those flares? Like were they hidden behind terrain? Or? No, no, they were directly in base <laughs> contact with the bloodthirster. <laughs> I just kind of looked. I went, oh, he's not close enough to that unit. That unit can't pile those into him. Those ghouls with their no rends, they're just the, out the ter- of range. The terrorgeist is already four. Except yeah. from all of the units that aren't in base contact. Correct. Base so what I'll do is I'll, I'll – I'll, I'll pile in this unit of bloodletters over here. That's Take not going to do any damage. <laughs> yeah, he just takes it off. I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's not ideal. That's all right. That's one eighth of a new bloodthirster. So I'm gonna I'm gonna blame the fact that he got a double turn for while. Uh, blame not Clint at all for at, selling him that exactly. Film. So it's not at all my fault. Uh, it's definitely definitely Mick Shepard's fault. Sam, so I had the good fortune of playing the Australian middleweight MMA champion. So I was up against Mike Turner and he was running the grand host in a gash. It's the kind of game I would lose on purpose. Yeah, look, I, I was like semi-intimidated by this bloke. But then one of his friends who was also an MMA fighter came over and I thought, she'll protect me. I'm good. I'm safe here. Um, this was an interesting game because I outdropped him and realized that it was starstruck. So he can't score turn one and none of his stuff can threaten me turn one based on the way he deployed. So he was anticipating I was going to alpha him, but instead I gave him priority. He shuffles up and can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then managed to get three spells off. So I have the Phoenix on a two-plus save re-rolling ones, throw it into his infantry, which doesn't have Ren, so can't hurt me. Um, I then win the turn roll, and he thinks, oh, well, you're going to go for the double. And I'm like, no, I'll just keep my buffs up. You can waste another turn. So we're at the end of turn, his turn two. He's done no damage to my army at all. Um, and the only one of the stars is down or whatever. And then I um, go big with Marathi, fly over with the dragon. So he's got the zombie dragon with the ethereal amulet. Mm-hmm. And I do 12 mortal wounds to it before it's time to <laughs> before it's time to charge. So I effectively think whatever I throw into that now is going to finish it off. And yep. he has nothing in his army that because that's the only thing that can threaten my monsters. Sure. And and that's effectively the end of the game. So we had a really we had like a really fun game just fighting to the bitter end. What does 12 mortal wounds to it? So Marathi did six with her D6 spell, oh, yeah. and then the dragon did six with its breath. So that like that's yeah. that, nice. like is so spiky because there's other times when obviously you get two or three across yeah. the two things. Sure. But for me, it was like about working out how much damage I could do between the Arcanauts and all of the mortals before the charge phase. And then do I yeah. throw two monsters at it or one is basically the equation. Um, and because of the amount of damage it had taken, anything in the army would kill it. So that was great. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed my game against him. He was heaps of fun to play against. And I was in this sort of predicament there where two games in, and I had two people that I thought typically that's my best sport for the, the weekend. So I'm, I've had a pretty good run so far. Nice. And then uh, game three, game three. I'm one and one. You know, I've played Randy. I've played. I've played Mick. I'm feeling good. Coming into my best scenario, better part of Valor. I'm using my murder host. I can potentially just one turn this, like top of one, yep. win the game. And I have the misfortune of playing against Beast Claw Raiders. I had the fortune of playing Peter Catlin, who was an awesome dude. But yeah, B score Raiders. They are very good at capturing six objectives. Yeah. I mean, he had four Thunder Tusks and then like three units of Yetis and two units of Saber Tusks. So like he had way so much stuff. Like it was just yeah, nuts. So many bodies just to pile on to. Yeah. So I took two of his. I played like an absolute spud. Like I have. <laughs> I've played some pretty bad games of Warhammer in my relatively long career, but this was probably up there with the, the worst of them. Uh, I took two of his objectives on the top of turn one. So I kept my three, left him with one and passed the turn over to him. And we had a 
brief discussion where we both agreed that there was no possible way that I could lose the game. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out we were both wrong. Uh, Yeah, Pete rolled badly and still just kind of shuffled stuff forward and, you know, snowballed a bunch of my bloodletters off and, like, yetis are really quick, uh, probably quicker than I, I gave them a bit of credit for. And I ended up with, at the end of the two turns that he had, he'd taken a bunch of my objectives and killed most of my sort of stuff that I'd left on my backfield. And I had a whole bunch of stuff in his attacking corners on objectives that I'd burnt. (laughs) Mm. So maybe, just maybe, I shouldn't have burnt those objectives because those were the ones I would have been holding at the end of that turn. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I just, I played like a spud. I probably, looking back, had eight or nine chances to have won the game Mm -hmm. easily and just, yeah, made mistakes all over the place. But Pete, Peter played it really well. Like he did what he had to do. Um, I mean, know. he did. It's on basically easy mode with Beast Claw Raiders. Exactly. So. They're a very good army. Was he the guy with the snowball ones with the Thunder Tusks? Yeah. So he had four, four snowballs. Delete a unit of blood letters. Delete a unit of blood letters. Basically. Yeah. But he like he kept, ro- character. he kept rolling ones. What he was doing was like the four plus birds. He yeah. was just like, yeah, Vultures. Take, yeah, take off four <laughs> blood, th- uh, blood letters. Cause then, and then he'd just be like, all right, cool. Take off the other six as well. <laughs> it was just, it was rough, man. It was rough. Wow. So I've um, I've been writing some mixed destruction lists, and I've accumulated quite a number of mixed destruction models. But I, I can't put any list together that that resembles anything close to competitive at the moment. So I'm waiting for the general's handbook. But I've got my eye on those and hoping for a price drop. That would be nice. Yeah, I I, I really like the big monsters from that mm-hmm. list, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of characters. That are on big monsters, so they can get items. Yeah, which are the item is massive. Excellent. Isn't it? Um, yeah, so I, I I like some of the stuff that's going on, but then it's yeah, it's a like you're priced seven, out. You've got three characters yeah. and twelve hundred points. You need bodies, and one of the characters doesn't even have an item. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so Sam, your your game three. So my game three, I was playing against a Skaven player, and um, it was better part of Ella, and his name was Wayne. So. Wayne told me in deployment that his warp seer had an ability that on the roll of a six in my hero phase, he would steal my command point. And I'm like, all right, so my strategy here is I'm going to deploy on the line. Um, he can't get that warp vortex off. I have to go before him so he can't pin me into my deployment zone. And I'm going to try an alpha and I'm going to try and burn all six objectives before he's had a turn. So I told him this. So I was like, I don't know if you play this scenario lots, but just so you know, it's really um, polarizing because you can finish the game before the person's had a turn. And I just want to tell you that that's what I'm going to try and do. So at least he could defend against yeah. it. Then if he fucks up in his defense and I get them, it's like I've given him the heads up that that's how the scenario yeah, works. You're a nice guy. No, I just I didn't want there to be like a feel bad, like where he's just like, yeah. oh, well, that fucking sucked, and I didn't know. You, he could you do want it. it to be as a good a feeling yeah. as a game where you lose, where you don't get to move a model. If he sent, sets up a really good defensive position and I bounce, it's like, yeah, good play. Like, do you know what I mean? Anyway, so he, he set up defensively, and I'm like, I'm going to have two command points. I'm going to use one to get reroll to hit on all my order draconis, and one's going to be up my sleeve because I've got a few seven inch charges with my flyers. And then he hits the six, so I've lost that <laughs> command point, and that completely fucks me because. Rough. I'm too risk averse to use the command point in the hero phase yeah. for the rerolls. Yeah. <laughs> I need to save it for my reroll charge. The reroll charge is more important. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, I get in, smash his lines up, but without the reroll to hit, I don't do as much damage. Um, 
cheeky old Wayne said to me, oh, the warp seer is um, really important and thankful is really important. And I'm like, I fucking know, bait. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen that meme from Mad Max. I'm not going for either of them. I'm killing all your bodies and burning your objectives. <laughs> but I think he was, um, he was sort of putting those two out in front of me in the hope that I'd fight them. But I avoided them, just killed all his clan rats. And by the end of the game, um, I was able to, to burn all of the objectives and win. Um, except for one, which uh, I'll talk about it because I think it's important to get these points of contention out. Um, Wayne had finished his turn. Uh, I then subsequently had my hero phase. It was obvious in my hero phase that I was in fact going to battle shock off or kill his units in his turn. I directed mortal wounds through magic at one of the units that was fighting Marathi. And he then said, oh, about that, they actually burnt the objective at the end of my turn. Like mm, they didn't, and then he said, "Oh, can they burn the objective, and you can redo your hero phase?" And I sort of looked at him. I was like, "Yep, cool. I, I don't do. I don't ask for takebacks. But if my opponent asks for takebacks, I'm I'm not like going to say no, um, unless I think it's super unreasonable. All I've done is cast a spell and killed a shitload of them. So I was like, cool. The spell's now on this other unit over there, yeah. which is completely irrelevant. Like that, it, it no longer matters. Um, but it means Marathi's sort of stuck in this combat. So." At the time, I was like, oh, that, that sort of sucks, but I just played on. And then after I was like, no, that really sucks. I shouldn't have said yes. So um, I, I gave him full sports still and we had a good game notwithstanding that. But it was just like one of those moments where I'm like, oh, this is actually making me feel like – I feel like I'm in a compromised position when he's the one that shouldn't be asking. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think not asking – something I've heard a couple of people say and I, I tend to aim for as well is, yeah, just not asking because... It unless, unless I'm in a really casual game where it's actually going to make oh, yeah. the game more fun and more yeah. interesting, then I, then I might. Yeah. And I did that in one of the later games. But, yeah, top tables, no. This is literally the top table. Yeah, not going to um, ask. Yeah, I, I think just, just in general, I, yeah, like not asking and also just trying to do everything as correctly as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's usually the way to go. And But, but there, there are times where if it doesn't make a difference and then, yeah, it's not actually super harmful and if it makes the game more enjoyable to alter things slightly. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So that was day one. That was, that was the Saturday daytime, but uh, when the nighttime hits, uh, the dwellers come out or something like that. So after a, a pretty slithy <laughs> Friday night from uh, the sounds of things, some S- more than others. Saturday night started Randy. off. It was r- heaps of fun, man. It started off super promising. Yeah. We we went to the, the Schnitty bar mm-hmm. and got some schnitzels and some like German beers, which was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I <laughs> love, love me schnitzels. some... Some of us got schnitzels. Some what of what us, did other people get? Some well, of Ollie, us went up to, <laughs> Ollie went up to the, the woman at the counter and he's like, Barmaid, what's your cheapest meal? <laughs> This is after he went up to the RSL on Friday yeah. night and said, what's the cheapest beer that you sell at an RSL? They're like, oh, like Han. Everything's premium. three bucks. <laughs> I mean, after he got a massive meal for five bucks the day before, he's probably just go, you know, trying to bargain them down. Be like, well, if you don't offer me more for less, I'm just going to go back to the RSL. At least he ate his meal. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So I, um, I nailed a steak and it was very good. But regrettably, it came without chips. So I marched on and up to the back. <laughs> Where are my chips at? I saw that. <laughs> And, um, I'm sorry, we don't serve chips in this establishment. Well, Randy ordered a kilo of chicken and a, a, a litre. It was a litre of cider, a, a litre of, of chicken cider. plus chips and coleslaw. Uh, coleslaw. And you have to eat that in under 45 minutes. The rec- record being three minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that won, broke the record or won the record or however you describe that, 
he um there's a video of him and he's just like he's jacked he's just a beast yeah i was expecting some fat bloke but it was some really tall lean guy yeah and he was eating systematically and drinking like he had a he had a full-on legit professional eater and had a crowd supporting him Mm. randy had a crowd supporting him (laughs) well support's probably not (laughs) not the right word he also didn't eat it in three minutes he Mm -hmm. didn't eat it in 60 minutes either Mm -hmm. (laughs) he had about three bites of it i reckon at most, yeah. It was really embarrassing to be sitting next to him. Yeah. I thought to myself, fuck, every time a wait staff comes past, they're looking at him. Especially like, when they're like, they have the time and they're like, your time starts now. Yeah. So they're legit taking it yeah. seriously and he's just taking the piss. And he was saying shit like, oh, you can have one of my chips. They're not looking. You can have one of my <laughs> chips. Like, mate, come on. It's not how it works. Like, Travis was on the next table and I could see he had line of sight. Um, like, <laughs> I reckon Travis Randy. could have eaten Travis more. Travis would have been able to eat more than Randy ate. Yeah. Well, Travis was hungry because he's been sick and he's lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. So yeah. that might have helped. Yeah, so we ended up having a super table. We had many content creators spanned across the two, which is great. So much content. So much creating. So little eating by Randy. All right, we'll have another quick break, Arena, and do day two. Yeah, I don't know about Once again, I regret to inform you that we are, in fact, backity back. Back. Backity back. 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 Returned. Day two, S-A-G-T. Game four, Nick. I got to play someone who I hadn't seen in a long time. Well, I think I'd seen, I hadn't played him in a long time. And Dave Hurley, who goes way back to like when we first started playing fantasy. Yeah. So he was down with Chuck. Uh, He was playing Flesh Eater Courts. Cool. He took off all of my toys. (laughs) Turns out Flesh Eater Courts are pretty good. He had two Ghoul Kings on Terror Guys. I killed one of them. And the other one didn't kill a single model because I just it had to sit on an objective because we were playing places of power or whatever. <laughs> but the he was again he was playing Blisterkin and the the flayers are really good. Cool, they're a lot better than Bloodletters because when they roll a six to hit, they do a mortal wound and get to roll the wound. <laughs> Which <laughs> that does sound better. And they have lots more attacks and <laughs> just generally and they better. Fly, and they and fly and they can teleport. Yeah. And they're minus one to hit from shooting if they're close to a hero. They've got heaps going for them. So I tried to play this a little bit differently. I used my um, my corn blood tithe points mm-hmm. more tactically. Normally I just save up for eight, summon a bloodthirster. Rah. And I tried that against <laughs> Mick in game two against his fleck and that nearly worked. I nearly just one-shotted a zombie dragon with it. But in this game I was trying to like use it to pile into combats and engage like five units at a time to stop all of that stuff moving and charging and stuff like that. That was working relatively well. The problem was like I had a bloodthirster on four wounds and Dave teleported three flayers nine inches away from that bloodthirster and my hero on foot, made the nine-inch charge and goes, I'm going to split my attacks. Ooh, error. Never, ever <laughs> split your attacks. Not an error. Four <laughs> attacks mm-hmm. onto the hero with five wounds. Take it off. Dead. Eight, eight attacks onto the Bloodthirster with four wounds. Take that off as well. That's my last. That's my two characters who were sitting on that objective. <laughs> cool. I lose. Sweet, sweet game. Yeah. It was actually a genuinely really interesting game. Dave was an awesome guy to play. I was playing for funsies anyway, so we were just getting a bit silly throwing things in there. But um, Flesh Eater Courts outmatched my corn pretty significantly was the analysis from the two games. But I think playing around with the way you're using Blood Tithe points is a good thing to experiment with the few times i've played against corn players including some who play like nothing but corn uh I've, they've very rarely been using blood tithe points for summoning 
I don't know if that's because they're more used to using the other options uh, or that the flexibility with the blood tithe points is super important. But uh, yeah, that, that most of their points have gone on movement, shenanigans and the like rather than uh, yeah, new units. Spoiler alert, I went back to that in game five. <laughs> <laughs> it's a um, like a skill differentiator how you use those mechanics where you have multiple options and the people that are the best with their armies are the ones that know the appropriate choice at the appropriate time. Yeah, so yeah. realistically, you probably want to be doing both and it's just about knowing time and place. It's a context thing. Yeah. Whereas in like game three, I was doing it all wrong. Game For four, fun or just no, no, because you weren't thinking about it? because I was terrible it. in game okay. three. Yep. Game four, I, was, I felt like I was playing a lot better yeah. and I was just kind of outmatched a little bit. In game five, I did it all wrong again. Sure. So game four, I was on the top table again and despite the fact I'd gone to the tournament with low expectations, once you're in a position where there was four of us left on three majors, so if I win both games in majors um, for the rest of the day, I've won the event. So once you're in that position, it's like that changes your expectations and what you're trying to get out of it. So I was like, I'm going to try and play this as well as I possibly can. Um, this is three places of power. So on the surface, that appears like it's a good mission for my army with three mm-hmm. really tanky characters. But what you, you're sort of failing to um, recognise then is that the army works by going and stopping the other army from scoring, tanking and also alpha striking their unit. So I, I'm unable to do that if I park my characters on objectives. Yep. Um, in the matchup, I was playing against Dan Brewer. I, I think Dan had the best of the Skaven lists there and I think... Skaven along with Hagnar is the, the clear tier one for me at the moment. So it's a, it's a tough matchup in terms of his player skill and experience with Skaven. And just in terms of his list construction, his list is better rounded for the scenario, even though I've got those three incredibly tough characters. I, to I don't know what was in his list. Good mortal wound output. So he had 25 acolytes in a unit, mm-hmm. which can do um, D3 damage at Ren 2. So they're really good at killing something yeah. like a, a Phoenix. Or a dragon or with a, a re-rollable four up arm. Oh no, no the dragon ethereal. would be bad against, yeah. they're bad against the dragon, but because he's got far more drops than me, he's able to pair his yeah. stuff so that each of his units are facing off against... Um, the better choice for him in terms of which character to select. So there was a couple of things going into this game that I was considering and that what I ended up going with was probably the most conservative strategy, but one which would win me the game if I could get one or two of the first two priority roles. So my strategy was to move each of the characters three inches behind the objective. So they're all scoring, but as far away from him as possible to use my dragon move to circle each of them in uh, and to do that in such a way that they're always five inches and one millimetre ahead. So even if he ran forward with his acolytes, which can run and shoot, he'd be eight inches and one mil away. Mm-hmm. So I'm scoring three the first turn and he's not, not hurting my stuff. Yep. Um, and then I was going to put all of my ranged attacks uh, onto his small character, which is also the character that has the warp stones, which the warp stones are just a ridiculous yeah, mechanic. So, 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 so warp powerful. lightning engineers or whatever they yeah, call Yeah, that's so right. Good. So that was my strategy. On balance, I think that's the right approach. Un- unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to, to stay on the objectives till the end of my turn three, so Dan ended up beating me by, by one point on scenario. Mm-hmm. Really good game. I don't feel like either of us made... A, a clear mistake and it was I felt the whole time as well like we both knew what the other person was trying to do and we're both using whatever mitigation strategies we could stop us it was just like a really engaging fun high level tactical game I was on the back foot in terms of power level his army was stronger than mine but I still felt like I could have won the scenario um, he ultimately goes on to win he got my best sport that's how much I enjoyed the game uh, and then he won the event so like Cheers to Dan for a, a really good game, really tactical game, really interesting game. I think six times out of ten my strategy holds up and I and I 
I get the win. He won both of the priority rolls, both turn two and turn three, mm-hmm. which meant that he was able to kill my characters in his turn so I didn't score. So that ultimately was the, the difference, but there were probably some things I could have tried um, differently. So what I've been thinking about is if we re-racked and played again now, maybe I only try and score one objective and I send Marathi and my dragon just headlong into his army to try and kill his three characters. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, the the bell is really slow and the other characters are five warrior character on foot. Yeah. So if I go in and just try and kill his whole army and hope that I get the, the turn one priority, that's another way I can play it. But I think that's less likely to succeed than the tactic I did use or the strategy I used. Fair enough. I mean, you've got to make your play on the day yeah. and sometimes it works, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. That's right. There's <laughs> none, of mine, none of mine worked. So. My, dragon, <laughs> my dragon had mystical and the command trait was a six up after save from the realm and he had his artifacts. So he had three six ups. <laughs> That's Such fucking painful, roll. man. That's the most AOS thing ever. <laughs> yeah, There's times when he's doing like 14 wounds to it. I'm like, so I'm going to roll my saves and then I'm going to roll my re-rolled saves. Now I'm going to roll three sets of sixes. I, I was looking at a, Get a dice up, bro. like a Saint Faintsworn Warband yeah, army with yeah, exactly yeah. that where the whole army would have six up, armor six up and then the war shrine. Ward saves. Yeah, no good. Uh, Joy. Grotesque. So anyway, that was So a uh, really good game and um, he, he deserved to win. He played, he played it perfectly. Nice one. So good. I noticed how you also in there, if he played it perfectly and you were playing at the same level, you're also saying you played perfectly. I sneaky, I'm sneaky. Confident that shout I'd, out to that I didn't guy. make any <laughs> tactical mistakes during the game. Yeah. His list was constructed better than mine, and there's still room for him to improve that list. Like he wasn't playing the absolute cutting edge game; he's yeah. playing stuff he likes. Um, and I'm, I'm confident if I win one of the um, priority roles, that I, I potentially yeah. win as well. Yeah, cool. Cool. and that's I've played him twice now. He's on seven consecutive priority rolls. He's won. <laughs> I haven't won one yet. So I'm going to get one. Sneaky motherfucker. <laughs> I don't even care if I lose to you again, Dan. I just want to get a fucking priority. <laughs> so uh, it's game five, the last round. Game five. Nick. I played Nick Conlon. He was playing Gloomspot Gits and he had a, like, it was an all squig army basically. So he had a couple of small git units, but he had the, um, the Boingok Bounders. He had the Herders. He had the, uh, the Mangler Squig. He had a, a war boss on a Mangler Squig. Awesome army. Yeah. Um, also just way better than mine in a straight up fight, <laughs> which was a common theme. Thankfully in a world where, yeah, like just an army of squigs is better in a straight up fight than corn. Squigs are really good. Uh, I charged my, both my bloodthirsters into his army turn one. Cause I was playing on like the fourth from bottom table. And I just didn't give a fuck at that point. Uh, charged everything in totally bounced. I think the Rothacorn bloodthirster did four wounds to the Mangler squig Lord. We're hitting on threes with rerolls, wounding on twos, doing D three plus one wounds with Ren two. Disappointing. Yeah, it was not ideal. The Mangler Squig's really good as well. Yeah. It's got teeth. Oh, yeah, it just killed me back. Yep, um, <laughs> my other Bloodthirster went in and killed 19 Grots out of the unit of 20. Mm-hmm. And then the Squigs charged in and removed that. So his turn one, I'd lost both my Bloodthirsters and most of my Bloodletters. Thankfully, I managed to initiate enough trades that I then got to summon two more Bloodthirsters during yes. the game. <laughs> and it was also Focal Points, which I'm relatively good at because I kept my bloodthirsters off objectives. He went and killed them. I think I, I think at the end of the game, we played out all five turns. At the end of the game, he'd killed 2,400 points worth of stuff, mm-hmm. roughly. And I'd killed not a lot, but I think I would won by about 20 on the objectives. <laughs> <laughs> so I was scoring like big, uh-huh. but I was also losing models. But it was an awesome, interesting, fun game. And a great way to end the event. So I finished two and three, but had a fantastic time. I enjoyed my games way more than I did at CanCon, which is what I was there to do. Excellent. Love it. And Sam, I played. Final round. 
Colin Green. So Colin was the running Colin. A, a Colin? The Colin. Colin Green. He was running uh, Hagner. So I played Skaven Tight, Skaven Tight, Hagner to wrap the event up, which was a lot Joy. of fun. <laughs> um, and um, Colin is a legend just. You'll be able to catch him on the Doom and Darkness channel. He plays lots of games against Michael. Uh, really cool bloke. This was great because I've played enough games with Daughter of Cain, Daughters of Cain that I always feel like I know them better than the person playing them. <laughs> so I've only lost to Daughters once and that was at CanCon when I made a big blue. Um, I knew I had fewer drops than Colin. This is one where you deploy reasonably close. Um, I knew that by, if I don't kill him by turn three, when all the Hagnar buffs kick in, He's uh, just going to kill my shit. So um, I alphaed him. Uh, the alpha worked and he made a mistake. He had a command point at the start of the game and in his um, in my combat phase, he used it to use the command ability for always strike first. So we're playing in the realm of light. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, as soon as he does that, uh, he can't use it for battle shock yep. now. He has no points. So I just, because it's the start of the phase, it means I haven't targeted yet. I haven't worked out who I'm going to put all my attacks on. So I just threw all my attacks onto a horde of... 30 witches and, yep. and managed to kill like 15 of them and then the others all died of battle shock or 17 of them whatever it was and then i've killed a unit of sisters of slaughter and i've engaged the other half of his army so it's focal points he can't win yeah um when we were rolling for priority on turn three um we both sort of said oh well, whoever wins this priority role um is, is probably going to win the game and then I, I won that priority role and was so far ahead that he couldn't catch me. Yeah. Um, so we just called it there. If, if, if you'd lost the priority role, would it... Then he would have needed to kill all my stuff and score for the rest so of the you, game. So you would have still been ahead, but... Yeah, but so yeah. there was still a chance that I could win even if I lose the role. Yeah. But if I win the role, he can't win. Yeah. Um, so we basically just... It was one of those ones where it's like, if this happens, we'll keep playing. If yeah. not, we know the outcome more or less. Uh, but Colin was awesome. Um, I had a really like, there were lots of really intricate tactical things about positioning because he's got the six inch pylons and he's got the confide in the hero face. So working around that, yeah. um, he did something sneaky with his warlocks that I wasn't expecting, <laughs> um, which was them moving around behind a massive fucking ass tower and me not seeing them. And then him being like, surprise motherfucker and scoring. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, I'm going to lose because these warlocks went invisible. The old um, surprise <laughs> unit trick. <laughs> like there was nothing dodgy about it. It was just me being like the end of the weekend and cooked. I know. And this poor bastard. He's playing Hagnar at a five game event, and there, there were combat phases where he's rolling like 200 dice. In RSI. Yeah, it's just it's so bad, man. It's not it, like it's not fun for five. It's good for a casual game, maybe, if you want to <laughs> crush your friends. Um, but five consecutive games of Hagnar is no fun. Yeah, that's rough. So you got up in that one? Yeah, I got up, got the major. Um, I felt pretty confident most of the game. I just like. His army is way stronger than mine, but I feel like I know his stuff way better. And like one time I just casually said to him, I just just don't forget you don't get catechism and murder in the hero phase. He's like, what, really? And he gets his book out <laughs> and he's checking. And then I'm like, oh, you might want to check your witch brew as well. It's like, I know you can use a witch brew, but he's, he's <laughs> flipping through the book. So there's just like a bit of mind games going on. And also that like, because we, we basically knew whoever won was going to finish third. And Doom came over at the start of the game and just said, oh, you're on for the podium. And I could see that that was not the right <laughs> the right thing to say to him. Nosebleed territory. Yeah. But um, no, really, really good game. Uh, I really hope I draw Colin again at an event. It was heaps of fun. Yeah, he's awesome, dude. Yep. All right. So that was the games. It was the games. What, in the wrap, what about the wrap-up? How did things go in the end? So Best Painted went to... Travis Cooper with his beautiful... Um, proxy army. So favorite, favorite <laughs> army, I should say. Yeah, favorite army. So I can't uh, believe you didn't win that prize. There like, were I two, thought you were I, in I the never running. put my stuff out. There were two. Um, I didn't paint my Phoenix either. Mitch did. Thanks, Mitch. Um, there were two armies that were standouts. So Danny and Travis were standouts. Danny's army is technically 
uh, better and I'd say probably significantly better than Travis's. Travis's army in terms has of technical painting, technical painting yep. in terms of the, the, the smoothness of the blends, um, so some of that sort of technical stuff like freehand. That's not just to say Travis's crisp. isn't awesome. It's not to say Travis's army isn't good. This is a different conversation. Yep. Danny's is painted to another super next level. Yeah. yeah, next level. But Travis's army has these amazing conversions on every single model. Um, has really nice contrast. The bases pop. Yep. The, fe- it, the theme of the army the is really nice. The theme is really nice. He had a um, an A4 printout describing um, the the background of what they were, uh, and then he did the secret million dollar trick and put down a one dollar piece of black velvet that made his army just jump just off, the off the table. table yep. Um, so f- fair play. Travis has painted his army in in a way that I think is conducive to winning painting awards. Danny has painted his army in a way that's conducive to like chronic back pain and RSI in the wrist. But and like, win, like winning Golden Demon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're both amazing and you're splitting hairs when you're trying to work out which yeah. one you prefer. And Realistically sort of though, Trap's won because he's a content creator. <laughs> 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 Who got best sports? Uh, NC Dave from... Um, Measured the measured gaming crew. So another another content creator. N- yes, another content. He's creator. got quite a collection of those, doesn't he? I don't know. Awesome dude. Um, awesome. Randy drinking, played, yeah, drinking with him on a Friday night was and was just mad. said he was like so. Randy played Nick, hated the game, and then played NC Dave immediately <laughs> afterwards and said it worlds apart. <laughs> That's probably fair. Probably because Dave didn't spend the whole game telling him his army was fake. Who which well, it no, is, no. by the I way. Think I think he actually did. I think he was like, this is some fucked up shit. I hate Compendium. But Randy still had a great time. Uh, the raffle. Uh, Clint, I believe, won the raffle. Clint won the raffle, yeah. Content creator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing a theme here. Mm-hmm. All right, top three. Number one. Dan Brewer. Content Sca- creator. Gave and tied, so he's jumped on the bandwagon. Just <laughs> another <laughs> asshole. A guest content creator. <laughs> He did some stuff for us, so he'll be up on the Dwellers YouTube channel um, unless I forgot to press record. <laughs> so there's about a 30% chance. That Could go either way. No, it's up there. It's, it's up, up there. there. Cool. Uh, second place was Mick from the Failed Charge. Mick from the Failed Charge. Content creator. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bandwagoner. Just yep. picked up a feck list when the, the book came out. Cool. So that was uh, SAGT 2019, a successful no, event. Didn't, by the, didn't the Colin make the podium? Colin won your game. No, mate. No? You didn't get there? I, My um, hero. I was playing probably a tier three army and I came oh, No one wants so to hear it. So content creator force, on th- in third as well. If you have a force multiplier for how shit your list is, um, there was a big jump between Mick and Dan's army and mine in in terms of power level. <laughs> <laughs> which was inversely Shut met up, player Sam. skill. So, so uh, Sam, for anyone Sam who has a uh, notable uh, Warhammer Age of Sigma player, Jack Armstrong, has uh-huh. been posting... Endless pictures of him playing himself playing mixed order with a lot of the same kind of units that Sam's playing around with. So mm-hmm. I'd be suspicious of these claims that the army is uh, especially low tier. Someone told me you were the best list rider in Age of Sigma. Oh, I nearly boy. lost my nut. Was oh, it boy. was it Sam that told you? That? It wasn't no, no, Sam. It wasn't me. No, I that's the surprising no, I, I, bit. I genuinely, I genuinely think that person's right. But I did. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right, settle down. Backity-back. Backity-back. We're back. We're recording this out of sequence now, so Nick's going to have fun editing. (laughs) I always have fun editing the crap that you guys throw at me. Yep. So. So round four. Oh, no. Sorry. (laughs) No, not round four. Border Wars. Lord of War. Lord of War. Not Border Wars. Lord of War. Which one? Because we're going to talk about both. All right. We're going to talk about Lord of War. Lord of War. So I think relatively speaking, 
they're both shit packs compared to BadgerCon. <laughs> Shout out to BadgerCon. I know we haven't gotten on our running sheet. It's the best fucking pack. Those guys are ace. What Last year when we started sheet? playing, we knew no one in the scene. They took us under their wing. First event I went to, I literally knew no one. Went out for lunch with those lads. They were fantastic. Um, cannot recommend a trip to Bendigo, the state's capital, more. <laughs> Hashtag sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> get wrecked. <laughs> Nah, BadgerCon will be fun. I'm hoping to make it. Cool. Yep. Uh, big night out might be out till 9.30, 10 p.m. Oh, well, if, depends if the boys have a big one at the pokies. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Uh, the Adelaide boys, boys might be there, which means uh, it might go till like 11. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the Friday night will be the... Uh, Apex Mountain. Mm. Yep. So, uh, Lord of War, we've released the player pack quite recently. We have released the player pack. Uh, so lots of excitement there. Big thank you to Nick for doing the vast majority of the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's, oh, uh, I was meaning Gentilly. Did yeah. you do some too? <laughs> Gentilly didn't do jack shit and you know it. <laughs> Gentilly's done exactly as much work as he did at the other tournament that we ran. But on the day, he's going to wear a little butler outfit <laughs> and he's going to run up and down those stairs with his massive glutes. And he'll make the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, uh, no one works a tournament room like Gentilly on tournament organiser duty. I can't wait to have him on stream. I don't know. Hungover Lockie can <laughs> consistently vomiting in the toilets is pretty good as well. So I, mean, I we didn't put that in the pack, so... I reckon that... Well, we have got the MVP from the Saturday night best on ground. Yep. With the stipulation you actually need to turn up on the Sunday now. Turn up or complete your games? You need to complete your games. Okay. Uh, I think realistically in the past we've had people do all-nighters and that you open the door to the, the venue and out they pop from under the TO's table. It's a pretty good effort. <laughs> uh, we've had scary. people crash a hen's night and be mistaken as the stripper. And then take on the role of stripper, so shout out to Jamie Payne. <laughs> we've, we've had some pretty big performances. Max K almost ran out, got, was run over by a tram multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't spider ride a tram. <laughs> People rocking up at hotel rooms at 3am with um, containers full of curry and just spilling them <laughs> everywhere and rubbing mint slice into yeah, the carpet. Mint slice, rubbing mint slice into and the then, carpet and is then a good shockingly, your bond. But yeah, also bond. really good, wholesome fun, lots of good conversation, uh, lots of people who aren't going to be passed out in front of a tram. Mm-hmm. The great thing is you can kind of do some of it before you pass out in front of a tram. You yeah, kind of and if steadily. at some point in the night you can get people who want to be too messy, mm-hmm. get get them moved on to get somewhere to they leave. can mess up. Yep. Yeah, so I think uh, like for for us in terms of location, we're close to nightclubs if that's your thing. We're close to strip clubs if that's your thing. Um, realistically, like we're going to be playing games up there. There's yeah. there there are options um, for all appetites, including yep. karaoke, which I think mm-hmm. we probably should tee up ahead of time. Um, yeah. Uh, it promises to be an amazing night, and I'm going to miss it. Unfortunately, oh boy, yeah, you can we can we can Skype you in. Ooh, Skype Skype me into the nightclub. Skype for business. <laughs> uh, we just paid a twenty dollar cover fee. Uh, <laughs> Why are you wandering around with a laptop? That's, that's not appropriate. <laughs> in here. Just one of those Segway robot things that just follows <laughs> around. This is Chris. He's slightly thinner. So, the pack is awesome. Mm. I think it's the the best combination of five scenarios uh, that I've seen under AOS 2. We don't have any of the janky stuff that can leave you with the feel-bads. So we're, we're playing uh, Focal Points five times? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're playing Border War once. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just so we can call the event Border War. <laughs> Border War? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like the scenario selection. So c- can you talk us through the, the thinking behind those or? I mean, the thinking was pretty, pretty kind of the lowest common denominator stuff. The big characters are all really good and they're probably too good. So we didn't run mm-hmm. any of the character scenarios. Mm-hmm. We've avoided problematic scenarios as far as negative play experiences go. Burn I mean, before it turns. Yeah. Like stuff, we've so. talked about how we actually, we really like better part of valor mm-hmm. from a tactical perspective mm-hmm. but it leads to non-games and that's not what we're about we're about you know having a good time and playing interesting games mm-hmm. so as much as i like it tactically there's no about better part of valor we've got uh so what are they we've got round one is sam help me out i'm just <laughs> loading the pack live yeah that was why i threw the question back to you because i couldn't remember what it was i <laughs> <laughs> Made the whole pack. There was, was a very that was like five lines in the pack. Yeah, fucking hell! You click on the link <laughs> and then it links to the Facebook page, and the Facebook page links to the Dweller site. This and is then so there's a PDF. On all of them. This is strategy. Clickbait. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You figured five it out. Five Sigma scenarios. You'll never I'm believe. Te- I'm tethering four. Nick's internet connection, and it's slow. Yeah, it is slow. This is how it Can took confirm. two weeks to upload the, the YouTube stuff. You joke, but it, the event was eight days ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Round one is Border War. So great war. great way to start the event. Very balanced scenario. Round two, knife to the heart. Need to be able to hold two objectives concurrently, diagonally opposite, good differentiator because some people are going to get minors in this one. It's going to be on kill points. So I, I, so I, knocking I, still, that, I don't think that's a good reason to include it, but I like the scenario anyway. Knocking it out in on the first day is important. You don't want these sorts of scenarios to be the I, deciding scenarios. I, IMO. I, I, I still think that you, you leverage whatever your your actual tiebreaker of preference mm-hmm. is, be it strength of schedule or sports or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, and you play knife to the heart because you think it's an interesting tactical I still think, scenario. Yeah, I, I think, think it's it that as well. Which that's, I do. That's my secondary uh, consideration. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think the justification that it, it splits people up just means you don't trust your tiebreakers well enough. And I think... No, so I don't trust the game enough. Like, if we played focal points five times... Yeah. Then I don't th- like. I don't think we'd need knife to the heart, but because we play <laughs> scenarios that skew one list one way or another, it's good to get the the, the minor minor major dynamic happening. Yeah, arguable, I guess, but uh, at, at least interesting and different. Scorched Earth round three. Ooh. Yeah, the past. I mean, given we couldn't play better part of Valor for aforementioned reasons, I mm-hmm. thought Scorched Earth. There's nothing wrong with it now that you can't um, burn turn one. And I like Scorched Earth. It's fine. Solar scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we move on to day two. This is the, the moving day if we're talking golf. <laughs> Blood and glory and focal points. I really like focal points in game five. Mm-hmm. It's It was the last game at CanCon. It was the last game at the SAGT. I think it's just a really solid all-around scenario that offers things to a lot of different armies. Yep, no frills, decision-making stuff. Yeah, No feel-bad moments. Well, I mean, all games have feel-bad moments when there is a massive differentiation in power between the new books, sure. Agnar and hopefully by Grimgast Reapers. Sure, but, but hopefully, hopefully by game five. Wanders away from the table five times to throw up in a bin. Yep. Yep. Or because it's Melbourne, maybe they're just going to get a coffee. <laughs> yeah, that too. I'll be back in 20. Yeah. Coffee minus, at the minus venue. A kidney. Melbourne, Melbourne level coffee at the venue. Great. Mm-hmm. Which will only appeal to Melbourne, uh, Melbourne attendees. Correct. Yeah. That's right. You can get a... McDonald's coffee down the road. I don't know. Some of those regional Queensland boys strike me as the type. <laughs> you know who's not the type? The Bendigo lads. 
<laughs> no, nah, Joel's Joel's all in. Joel's Joel's partner's like a Brewster or something, and Pat, he knows his shit. Pat Nevin was ranting about like <laughs> coffee and hipsters and <laughs> avocados and stuff, yeah. and the corn book. Fucking corn book. Oh, he'd probably love a shepherd avocado, wouldn't he? Oh, oh just. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those are the scenarios we've picked them because we think they make for interesting games. We think they make for relatively balanced games, and we're, we're trying to not promote the heroes as much. It probably means fast horde armies are are on the up, mm-hmm. but it's. It's a bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's one of those things where, especially when we when we release the scenarios in advance, I know some people argue for not telling players which scenarios they'll be playing. At least you can play to this, and if that advantages some armies over others, so be it. Other tournaments will do different things. I've been thinking about skew lists, so if I was playing in this event, what, what direction would I skew my list? And with that group of scenarios, it's hard for me to come up with like a... A defined strategy of how I do that. I think I'd be looking to take a balanced army. Well, the thing is that one of the best ways to deal with big, fast-moving hordes is to have big, fast-moving flyers that the horde yep. can't kill. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So if you talk about the, the list that can swarm the board, turns out a dragon with a 4 plus 3 rollable that can't be rendered is basically unkillable. Phoenix with an yep. item, Gristlegore General. Yep. Like there's, there's those big kind of things. Yep. Uh, maybe you just play Skaven and get both. Yeah, Skaven are a bit of a worry. Skaven are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the scenarios. What about the scoring and the uh, the prizes? Because I think there are some interesting things in the way that we're going about this. Yeah. So we've we've done the prizes a bit differently because what we and our kind of ethos with the event is we want to promote all aspects of the hobby. So it's it's about the gaming side of things, but it's also about the hobby side of things. It's about the sportsmanship side of things. So what we're doing is the scoring for that we've we've divided things up into three categories: gaming, sportsmanship, and and hobby. So for the gaming kind of side of things, the scoring is pretty standard. You've, there's 20 battle points available per round based on whether you get a, a major win, minor win, whatever. There's a very limited painting score involved with that. Just uh, I think it's capped at 20 points on, on the rubric. Which everyone mm-hmm. should be able to get. Yeah, exactly. And it's just dragging the minimum standard up across the board, right? Correct. It's not about it's having a, a, a beauty pageant. That's yeah. a separate, separate sort of area. Exactly. So the minimum requirement to play in the event is three colours and, and paint on the bases. That's not going to get you to the minimum, uh, to the the painting maximum for for the the gaming part, but it's just a little bit of encouragement. But the cap for the gaming, uh, the the gaming prize, the painting component of that is capped in a very accessible way. Yeah, mm-hmm. correct. It's basically if you've made an attempt at some highlighting and and put a bit of extra effort in, mm-hmm. you'll get you'll get to that cap pretty easily. Yep. And we'll be we'll be scoring relatively easily to that cap. Yeah, we're not looking there. It's not one of these ones where it's like a gotcha. Oh, you, you yeah. didn't highlight this random dude at the back of your unit. So we've, we've got a gaming that's basically just gaming. We've yep. got a sportsmanship prize that is, well, prize airs, importantly. Yeah, uh, so if you, part of it is going to be really similar to a normal event. So the gaming is pretty much scored the same as most yeah. events. The sports is scored the same as most events on favourite uh, opponent votes. There's two main painting prizes that are scored similarly. One's going to be a judge's best painted which will be chosen by our judges on the day. And then there's going to be a player's choice favourite army, which is not mm-hmm. just painting, it's whatever you mm-hmm. what do you, you think makes the army your favourite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we'll do is we'll nominate roughly 10 armies uh, to, to get put out for Kissed lunch. by a rose. Yeah, exactly. And they'll all get a little prize as well. A rose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to be a rose. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, that's all pretty standard. Where it gets a bit different is we're going to, award sort of a grand prize we're calling it the the grand creepster award mm-hmm. for the player who kind of does the 
best on average across all three areas. So what we'll do is we'll rank everyone in gaming, we'll rank everyone in sportsmanship, and we'll rank everyone in painting. Mm-hmm. Where they're going to kind of take your average rank across all three and then rank everyone based on that. And that's how we're awarding the three main overall prizes. Yeah, exactly. So for the rankings whores out there, the scores that are submitted to the ranking site will be the aggregate of your battle. It would it be the gaming of, pr- It will be the, out of yep. 20 for your painting. Yes. And then your admin. So did you get your list on time and that sort of stuff? Correct. So, and that's what and makes up the gaming The prizes. only way that they would lose points... Uh, the only way that sports would be applied to that overall would be if you lost points, which will be doing something slightly different to the other tournaments we've had in Australia so far. Um, but in my humble opinion, probably better than what we've seen elsewhere. Yeah, so there's not going to be any round-by-round round sports points being added to your score. Just don't be a dick. Yeah, if don't be a dick. We're going to ask some questions, similar questions to what mm-hmm. get asked. You'll, you'll be required to fill that out on the results sheet, mm-hmm. but they won't get added to your score. But... What it lets us do is flag issues. Yep. And if there's issues, we're going to talk to players. We're going to pull you aside, it's going to figure be out four or five dwellers. They'll probably intimidate you, exactly. circle you, sit you down, create power disparity by standing over you. Correct. Great. Threaten to kick you Unless out. Unless you're MMA fighters, in which case. In which case, by all means. <laughs> yeah, do, do what you want. Full sports. Um, and the, yeah, we're going to talk to people, figure out what the problems are and try and fix the problems on mm-hmm. the day rather than just sort of arbitrarily... Um, letting people change each other's kind of final scores. We, you know, potentially we will dock people points if we feel that's appropriate, but we'll also, if we need to, you know, take harsher action yep. depending on what the situation is. And it also allows us to explain where what the points deduction is related to and why, and it's coming from us, not your opponent. Yep. So it's, a, I, I think, a more kind of transparent and... Uh, clear way of doing things and ideally leads to not people not feeling bad afterwards. My expectation is we'll have, you know, circa 70 players there and most of the time, most of the people will do the right thing and then occasionally there's some personality clashes or there's some dodginess in game and that'll be nipped in the bud. Like it's, yeah. it's, not, it, it's not a thing. The, the reason I like this approach to sports is out of sight, out of mind. Like it's, we, we've mainly got a really good scene. Um, and we don't need some, you know, complicated and sophisticated Very, very occasionally there's small issues. That's right, right for the, yeah. these tiny aberrations. Um, I really like the doing the overall prize the way we're doing it. Yeah, that's Because cool. it, it actually differentiates it from just winning all your games in a way that usually overall prizes don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming, uh, you know, so we 10th haven't or 15th across all of the categories probably puts you in the front running mm-hmm. for something like this, rather than having to win all your games and not lose points on Mm -hmm. other things. We haven't deliberately designed the pack with any particular people in mind, but I'd I'd like to congratulate Danny Paints on winning overall. (laughs) (laughs) He's not even a content creator. Yet. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to see how that shakes out, actually, because that's, uh, that's something that is a, a little bit different and hopefully will uh, yeah will be a bit of fun uh, to administer as much as to compete in. I'm really hoping that it's not just going to be like the one, two, three from gaming that also happen to get lots of sports points and it's the same, but I, I don't it's think it will be. It's not a problem if it is, though. No, exactly. But um, we've also got a bunch of other sort of fun prizes. Mm-hmm. We're trying to spread the love a little bit. It's not all about coming first, second or third in, in the respective places. Sam, do you want to take us through some of the prizes we've got the grand creepster as discussed Mm -hmm. 
we've got the Kakwar Award for the most medium player. So this will be the player who finishes in the, the middle of the grand rankings. What if there's an even number and there are two players in the middle? Kakwar will share the love. <laughs> we've got the Mitch Award. Purchasing the most raffle tickets. Exactly. I'm going to have a stab at this since I reckon Mitch wins this I award. suspect Mitch is the front <laughs> runner as well. He does love a good raffle. Uh, but Clint, Clint, also an expert at raffles. Hashtag content creator. But maybe he only needs to purchase a few tickets. Maybe. He's just that good at them. He doesn't need the, yeah, the, the we wide pa- We pay him his appearance fee in, uh, in tickets. <laughs> Best on ground. Awarded to the person who puts in the most memorable Saturday night. Special celebrity judge for that one being lined up. Oh, <laughs> boy. Uh, best content creator. So realistically in the Australian AOS scene, this could go to anyone. Yep. Everyone's got a, a podcast or a YouTube or multiple YouTubes depending on how self-indulgent they are. Um, <laughs> this one here is chosen by AOS Shorts himself, the content king. The content king. And his first question, which I had actually thought of, was how do I win it if I'm judging it? Oh, boy. Because <laughs> realistically he probably would win it. He can't win. That seems fair. And then we've just got your generic gaming, painting, sports or whatever. So that's yep. pretty cool. There's a wide enough distribution there that the players should be pained at how long the <laughs> award ceremony goes for. Except for the fact that we will run it extremely efficiently. And See, so I, I factored in, right? I talk really quickly in front of crowds. Yep. So I'm going to be at like oh, this 150. this is cute. Holland thinks he's talking. Yeah. There's no way you're getting the mic off Gentilly. <laughs> Never in a million years. <laughs> Gentilly doesn't know how to turn the mic on. That's true. <laughs> So, yeah, I talk really quickly in front of crowds, so I'll whiz, whiz through it. Cool. Nice. I so also, should we uh, talk about that, Lord uh, of War? D- d- just uh, just last bit on uh, the, the prizes thing. I also really like, because the... Uh, assuming that you reveal the Grand Creeps to prizes last, mm-hmm. because they are aggregated and people won't know where they are, that means that you'll actually have like genuine suspense and excitement yep. uh, across the main things which get revealed last. We haven't spoken about best in, but tell me best in is awarded to the person that finishes the highest with their Grand Alliance. Sorry, go again? So best in Alliance or best in Grand Alliance or Allegiance. Not a thing. Oh, thank fuck. All right, cool. <laughs> we also haven't talkin uh, talked about talkin. the... Talking. Talking. <laughs> spoken about the Smorgan Award. I don't know. What, what, uh, I'm lost. What's the Smorgan Award? It's a painting award. Oh, is it? Cool. I haven't, I haven't looked at that part it's of the for, pack yet. It's, it's for the biggest cop-out army. That still gets that still gets through the uh, the painting requirements. The rubric dancer, exactly. Mm. So Nick Legrand, early front runner. Mm-hmm. Such rock on a base. I just sent Nick Legrand some pretty sweet Ideneth stuff today. I mean, it, the models he's been posting are looking mm-hmm. very nice, but I wonder how long it is before there's just like a head poking above the water as eels shark nineteen shark. through twenty one shark fin. Yeah. So it's a bit of plastic card. <laughs> But yeah, Lord of War, we're super excited. Uh, there's still a lot to do, but um, we're looking at the moment at expanding the players, the amount of players, hoping for about 70. Uh, I'm going away for the next week, but yeah, when I get back, we'll, we'll look into that, double check how many tables we've got and all that kind of jazz. And yeah, hopefully we can expand it because we've got a little bit of a waiting list and we want everyone on the waiting list to be able to come. I just said yes to a mate coming, so we can talk about that <laughs> offline. <laughs> <laughs> is he a content creator? He's not a content creator. He's just no, a friend. Can't come. Yeah, rescind that. Um, and the other thing I just thought I'd, I'd announce publicly is that I will be doing a table of terrain. This will be my first endeavour into terrain. I've bought a beautiful oh boy. I bought a beautiful mat, um, mm. and it's a desert theme mat. And some lucky players will be playing in Zandri, so I'm doing a, <laughs> Zan, a full Zandri table. 
amazing we might even feature that on the stream nice. for one round fantastic. yeah like it depends on the level the of quality pop. no it'll be good i'm i'm okay it's and i feel like a, a sandy <laughs> like sandy kind of terrain would probably make models stand out especially yep. where they are on the table be yep. harder to lose track of them probably. unless they also have desert bases sorry randy or if they're just bases desert bases with no models on them mm. hashtag sandy. phoenix gate <laughs> I think we've we've probably run out of time today. Uh, we wanted to talk Border Wars, yeah, but we sorry. probably haven't got the chance because people have got to leave and beat the traffic and all of that. But, but if um, you haven't already signed up for Border Wars, it's yep. a great uh, Lord of War warm-up event in uh, Albury in mm-hmm. New South Wales yep. or possibly Victoria. We haven't decided where, which where, side of the river. Who's claiming it? I don't think we've got enough WhatsApps going, so let's create a little yep. um, Border, Border War logistics because we've got to figure out accommodation and shit still. Yep. Mm. But yeah, and then uh, so that'll be in... A month's time. April, last weekend of yeah, April. Shit. So I'm, hopefully we'll see you there. I'm just going to dob myself in. Whatever I play will be 90% new stuff. All right. That's going to wrap up the episode for today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, probably talking Border Wars, either just before or just afterwards. Mm-hmm. But uh, we just did that. No, no, as in the next episode. And uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. But until then, we've been the Dwellers Blow. Don't fail your strength test. Don't. Oh. <laughs> back to back. We're done. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the port from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on a rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell. Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or the Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. 
The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Thank you.